Hi there, it's Heidi Aho here. I write for Efficode and host the podcast that you, my friend, are now listening to. Welcome to DevOps Sauna, Europe's DevOps podcast. And guess what? This is the last episode of the season. It's episode six, and for this one, we are heading to the place where it all began, or at least where Wi-Fi was invented. That's a new one. The Netherlands. I visited our Amsterdam office to meet with Rauke de Jong, one of our senior DevOps consultants there. May you be lured in by his dulcet tones just as I was, as he talks about the difference between DevOps in practice in the finance industry and in retail, and his vision of why successful DevOps adoption takes a mixture of psychology, sociology, and technology. Take it away, Rauke. Good day, y'all. Uh, I'm Rauke de Jong. Um, a senior DevOps consultant at Efficode since April this year and uh, previously my career started as a part-time network administrator in the eastern part of the country. Kind of got pulled in just by my interest in computers and at the time I was studying mechanical engineering and discovered that the difference between mechanical engineering IT engineering is that in mechanical engineering, 30% of your, your context is defined by the material that you use. And there's only so much you can do with steel. Whilst compared to, to IT, almost 100% is in your hands. It's flexible, you can use it. So that pulled me in. And uh, well, it went from bad to worse. And after three years of running as a uh, network admin uh, and setting up a pan-European network, uh, I was kind of done and got pulled into a uh, the leading online retailer in the Netherlands called Bol.com for uh, an operational role. Uh, in the first week, the release manager had me deploy applications manually, which, I don't know, kind of irritated me. So in the first weekend, I threw together some, some quick scripting made a deployment platform because at that time uh, there wasn't really a product on the market. So after the first weekend, the release manager could just deploy everything by himself and only needed us when things went wrong. After about three years of automating myself away in that way, um, I got pulled into uh, the development side of things and teamed up with a specific uh, developer called uh, Chris, who was setting up CI services using Jenkins at that time, a whole new world for me. And together we uh, we built up and set up uh, CI pipelines, CD pipelines, using my uh, still active operational cr credentials to uh, propagate releases, etc. After doing that for a year and a half and on the development side of things, I took my uh, experience and went over to a company called Spill Games and I started experimenting with that to see what the different adoption strategies would be, you know, Big Bang or evolutionary. Do you capture the current process first or do you want to introduce some new steps or a new approach? And eventually uh, set up a development environment where basically you could go from incident on production to building a patch, checking everything, releasing it to production in a cycle of about three minutes. And that was fun to do. Using that knowledge, uh, I had a bit of a product idea and uh, first went uh, 
with my own company, doing consultancy services, I discovered that acquisition is seriously not my thing and administration is not my passion either. So moved over to a managed services company and tried to build up a product line there. Got about halfway and then got interested, funnily enough, in Efficode because they already had something like that. That shows to me a well significant matureness in, in, in seeing how the market is moving, how you as a company influence your own demographics and got pulled in into uh, this uh, Finnish company. From Efficode out, uh, I got... Uh, landed at uh, ABB, ABN AMRO, uh, the Dutch company, the Dutch bank. And I've been working there now for about three months and uh, helping them along to, to do a DevOps transformation, uh, specifically in a grid, which is loosely based on the Spotify model. And the grid means there's about five teams um, who are, well, they want to, to adjust their way of working, their approach towards software delivery and software development in such a way that they can actually half it speed it speed it up, get more transparency, you know, get all the benefits from working in a DevOps way. As it is a bank, some basic patterns in DevOps are well not really handy to apply. Regulatory restrictions are there. Uh, for example, the European Bank kind of explicitly describes that you have to use DTAP, and DTAP in itself is, well, in my opinion at least, uh, an anti-pattern compared to, to uh, devil's way of working. Those restrictions um, push people in a certain mindset, and that mindset, well, in the way I approach DevOps is is basically it's psychology how do people themselves see their current reality their way of working their approach towards software develop, uh, development uh, and operations uh, sociology how do they work together towards that particular common goal and technology how can we capture that cooperative style that collaborative style in technology make it transparent make it clear what people are doing and why i mean the human side of things should be augmented. Don't use people as process. No, use people as a, you know, as the person, as the individual that's there. If you're going to apply a human being in a certain role and for a certain change, I want to see something shining because that's why you get a person in there, that additional unique value. If you use the, the unique skills and, and, and capabilities for an expected outcome, I don't know. It, it, it grinds you know, against the grain. It's, it, it's wrong, in my opinion. If I use a master craftsman and I ask him to make me 250 IKEA tables a day, he's just going to point me towards IKEA. But if I ask him to make a one-off, unique uh, cupboard or cabinet or something like that, yes, then I get the unique skill applied for a unique result something unique, perfect, shiny, etc. And that's what I want to achieve, to augment that you know, human side, that, that special capability of a person to augment that and actually make it shine, make it, 
make it transparent, make it usable in that way, and not use people as processes. In a bank, you do have, as I said, the different uh, restrictions. That means that you have to have audit trailing. It's common sense, you would say, but as the Agile Manifesto says, you know, people over uh, uh, documentation, etc. Um, there is a very strict uh, baseline in, in what you have to log, what you have to be able to show to the auditors, what kind of processes you have to uh, follow. The ETL way of working it implies several anti-patterns like they want to centralize responsibilities, they want to centralize um, tooling distributions and stuff like that, which kills the distributed, the level optimization effect that you can have if you actually do that in a transparent way. This kind of um, prevents holistic awareness in teams, in people, in a collaborative framework between different teams, etc. And in that way, you got to work with the, the limits that are there. The DTAP uh, workflow, for example, it forces people to work in several spin sprints at the same time. Your current one is in development, the previous one is in testing phase, the one before that is in acceptance, and the one before that is in production. And they can all have feedback that you have to you know, pay attention to. So it's not just your current sprint, the current feature development that you're, you're working on. you got to keep those other ones in mind too. I would love to be able to, to, I don't know, at least get rid of one environment and in that way reduce the workload, increase the amount of focus you can have on your current sprint. But and it's part of the, the cultural shift that we try to, to enable and, and, and uh, get going in these kind of institutions. Um, but as I said, there's several other factors in play, like the European Bank, the, the Dutch National Bank. They all have expectations in how you as a bank handle your change flow, how you handle your operational flow. So this creates a, a specific culture that compared to, for example, online retail is, in my experience, um, amazing. The way of working, um, it, it enables you to, to, well, it forces you to, to find elegant solutions within the, the sometimes severe restrictions uh, that are applied. And getting that mindset going, you know, the, the entry pattern of centralizing responsibilities instead of distributing them, the need for transparency and still secrecy that is prevalent in, in, in the banking culture. It is a very challenging and very interesting uh, environment to work with. I mean, the mindset of culture, they come again back to the psychology, sociology and technology troika that, that you have to use to come to a, a workable solution that works for the person, for the individual, that works for the group, or also for the bank, that uh, uses approved technology, that uses uh, baseline and auditable uh, steps in your, your software propagation flows. They use, and they're still seeking for, for you know, the perfect solution sometimes, 
you have uh, issue tracking services in Jira. You have issue tracking services in Azure DevOps. You have a service in a green environment that is doing your, your operational stuff and getting, for example, that admin layer connected into a virtual one that everybody can use. It's a challenge in itself. Everybody has their own uh, needs. The run environment is, is admins that serves now. Green, for example, is used for stuff. Uh, whilst the developers say, like, I love the issue tracking capabilities of Azure DevOps with my CI systems, my with my CD in there. In the meantime, the business says, no, no, I'm used to Jira, so I'm going to make all my user stories in Jira, and you as a development team have to use Jira. And that way, it, it forces me to, to, to take a step back, see and what, you know, what's needed in the essence. Not, you know, what kind of process do we follow right now, but in the end, what's needed? Where should the retention be? Should I book test results uh, to serve not green? Or is it enough if it still lives in the Azure DevOps environment and just link it, for example? Those are questions that, that from a logical standpoint, can easily be solved. And, but still, the expectations from, from people and the inst- institution itself, it is an interactive learning process that we both go through. In the end, the, the challenges are the mindset and culture. I mean, you have teams that get great responsibilities, especially in the uh, movement towards more DevOps way of working. Like, okay, you're responsible for your uh, feature creation, for checking it, testing it, getting acceptance testing done, uh, deploying it in, in production, running it in production, etc. Uh, but the other side of the coin, the great powers that come with it, that's a different process because then regulatory uh, factors come into play. External institutions like the European Bank are steering you towards solutions sometimes that can be counterproductive, don't fit the, the uh, needed solution. Or, or, yeah, there, there's a constant discussion going on there. The technological, technological uh, design, like I said, decentralization of responsibilities and technology. Uh, we have third-party teams providing technological services, which turn out to be very inflexible. Uh, the teams wanted to adjust uh, their tech stack, for example, make it event-driven. Um, so suddenly, they... they uh, discover that their outside world is still running a batch-based process. So if they want to shift to eventing, it makes no sense because their sources are still running batches. So why would you do event-based uh, business logic processing, for example? It makes no sense. And in that way, sometimes teams within the bank are running ahead of current regulatory items. Sometimes they're lagging behind and holding on to it. Sometimes there's a a healthy discussion with the regulatory uh, institutions to make sure that you still have that baseline of security aspects, quality aspects, availability, while still maintaining that audit uh, checkbox, you know, you have to be able to audit everything, the history needs to be there. It all comes back to developers, like don't squash your commits uh, on a pull request. It's simple things like that. And in that way, 
it, it gives you a very perhaps contradictory a dynamic environment where you can actually uh, apply very elegant solutions you wouldn't expect it in a bank but in the end it is possible in a bank compared to retail it is a little more waterfally as you know you got more of a yearly planning it's a bit more strict it is not as day-to-day madness as online retail can be for example when uh, michael jackson died it went mental i mean all everything body in the company was focused on fulfilling the demands getting as much merchandise out as possible what's in the bank you don't have that you, you don't have that kind of interactivity. You do have products that are, you know, highly available on the market. Um, you got products, payment services that need to be available 24-7. So you got a different demand there, which results in, in, in I don't know, um, in a way, they want the dynamics of an online retail, retailer, basically with the predictability of the slow propagation process of a bank. Those two are hard to, 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 to match with each other. The volatile world of online retailing uh, pushes you to, to getting you know, short iterations, be flexible, be responsive, etc., etc. Whilst the bank is more oriented towards you know, keep it running, make sure it's predictable, Make sure the audit trail is 100% covered. Make sure that you know, you're really, really, really secure. You have strict uh, regulatory constraints that you have to adhere to. And you need to be able to show the regulator that you're adhering to them. When an online retailer, in the end, the user experience, that's your regulator. The customer that buys stuff and comes back, that's your regulator. You got a few... Um, legal boundaries, etc. Obviously, as a company, but not as much as a bank does. It has a fundamental different perspective, but you do see similarities in, in, in needs and, and ways of working popping up. I mean, there's still a dynamic interaction with different customers, with different institutions, from a bank perspective that needs that flexibility. You still need to apply changes. You still need to provide new features. Whilst in online retail, you got a yearly planning. You have a growth plan. You want to get new categories exposed on the market. You want to acquire more consumers from for different products. Uh, in the meantime, you got, well, the madness of the day-to-day operational stuff. Like if, you know, a big artist dies, for example, compared to a bank, well, there could be some bad news if you got a security leak or something like that. And that necessitates a, well, higher level of trustworthy change flows, basically. And in that particular way, you can apply DevOps principles in a bank, but you have to apply them in a different way. You have to use them uh, for a slightly different goal compared to the, the volatility of a, a online retail world. But it's, it's a unique combination of flexibility, speed, security, predictability, and, well, feel safe, basically. 
I mean, failure in the banking world has a different impact than in an online retailer, for example. If I, as a consumer, uh, cannot buy something, I can't put it in my basket, you know, on, in, on, in the online uh, shop. I don't know, for three days? Yeah, I might not be able to buy that, you know, uh, uh, present for that person who's having his birthday or, or, or something, something like that. That's a bank if people can't pay, get money or something like that for three days, well, you got a different impact. You got a different business case that you have to take care of. So you can still apply DevOps principles. You have to approach the results in a different way with different constraints and different expectations. Thank you, Rauke. And thank you, listeners. If you're curious about our work in Benelux, do check out a special edition of Let's Talk Business by the Dutch radio station New Business Radio, featuring Jari Litmanen, the Finnish football legend, Heiki Hemelainen, Efficode's head of growth, and Andre Sibov, the area manager of Efficode Benelux. The recordings will give you the full download on where Efficode is going in the Netherlands, or should I say Benelux. You can find them at www.ethico.com slash new hyphen business hyphen radio. Thanks for tuning in to DevOpsana, Ethicode and Pragma's podcast about all things DevOps. Bye.